Welcome to this Market Commentator podcast. It's my weekly podcast where I speak to leading investment professionals. My name is Raik van and my guest today is Rob Spaniard. He's the Chief Investment Officer at Resco Asset Management and he has been in this position for 16 years. Rob, thank you so much for joining me. We've seen an absolutely dreadful march and most equity markets in the world saw significant declines. Uh, many people even call it a big crash. And I think most investors uh, would be glad we are in April now. What do you think happened in March and how does it compare to the previous crashes you've seen? Rake, thanks. Thanks for the opportunity to chat to you and the listeners. Yeah, in short, you know, the closest thing I can see that compares to it is, is probably 2008 GFC. It's a tough environment. Uh, you know, even that, I don't think we've seen anything like this. And how do you think most fund managers fare during this tough month? I think it was fairly, fairly brutal, particularly if, if you have a kind of buy and hold strategy. That's not what we're doing. You know, we're active asset allocators. So if we see trouble coming, we take evasive action. You know, we've got a model. Nassim yeah, Taleb has done, done everyone probably a favor and a disservice. On the one level, he's done, done us a favor is we have an excuse if something bad goes wrong. You know, he coined that black swan analogy. Bad stuff happens, nothing you can do about it, and you, you just put your head down and, and grin. But we, we in, our, in our risk uh, modeling and, and the way we approach risk, we believe a lot of things that are just covered as black swans, or in fact, actually, I think we'll term gray rhinos. We've been putting out a bit of thinking on that. There's a book written by someone called Michelle Worker, which is grey rhinos are predictable. You can see them coming, but you've got to be quick. Yeah, so if you, if you can react quickly, you're okay through this. If you just static asset allocation, you probably struggled. So what did you do to mitigate the risks? We moved fairly aggressively start, starting in February and then through mostly out by February. We moved aggressively to cash. And internationally, we had some U.S. Treasuries, which gave you some upside, and locally, just very short-dated Treasuries. So aggressively held some gold um, and aggressively just take risk off and see what happened. That is pretty contradictory to many strategies of other asset managers who they say in public, listen, sit on your hands. You can't predict what will happen. It's an irrational market. There is too much emotion involved. Don't try and time the market. Is this an active strategy for you to actually try and time the market? You know, market timing is probably probably a wrong phase because it, it, it denotes trying to get in and out the whole time. And if you're not a professional investor watching it all the time, you're probably going to do it badly. You're going to eventually panic at the wrong time. And, and But if you, if you trade, if you seasoned, it's part of your style. I think it's got to be part of your style as well. You can see stuff happening. If there's a crisis unfolding, why be there for it? You know, for example, we the market was hitting a record high in January, international markets. So there was a little bit of upside. There's a couple of percent upside potential. But you had this crisis in, unfolding in, in China. The Chinese had locked up... So, put down a hard lockdown, 72 million people, and it's some form of quite restrictive movement, 725 million people. So the risks if that got out and got in, a similar kind of scenario in, in, in London and New York, the market was going to be down 30%. And that's, that's the risk you were facing. At, at a market that was at a record high, so what was the, there was very little upside, but a huge amount of downside, and that 
it was just a risk not worth taking staying invested. I think many investors will receive their fund statements probably around now and many will see that in March their investments saw a significant hit. Some may even see a 20% plus downside. Your strategy, did it work? I assume your funds were also down. I haven't seen the March fund fact sheet of your funds, but uh, how did the, uh, your strategy work out for you? Did you limit losses? No, look, our equity fund has to be invested. So that fell, but it fell less than our peer group. But our asset allocation funds, where we had the option of not being in equities, actually, time of reporting this is still up for the year. So we, we falls were very, yeah, we funds are a couple of percent up. So in so March, you actually made money? Yeah, flattish, yeah, made, made a little bit of money. Yeah, I don't think many fund managers will be able to state that. And I hope your investors appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, we've got, we got investors who, who yeah, we, over the years understand that sort of strategy. And, you know, we've similar kind of thing happened in, in 2008 crash. That's a long time ago. But you've got, to, you've got to sometimes protect the downside. There's not a lot of upside on offer. You know, in, in South Africa, we still have the advantage. We get 7 8% on our cash, which is not to be sneezed at at times when, when, when there's high risk. And you've got to be, we think you've got to be active, certainly a style that we think is important. I'm looking at your equity fund fact sheet for, and it was published at the end of February. And uh, the biggest holding you have is in new gold. So you own gold, physical gold. Why do you like gold? Gold, in this world of quantitative easing where, you know, we, government's just printing money very aggressively. Gold is holding its own, it, it, the returns on, on cash in, in the developed world are going to do nothing. And gold is doing well in that environment and managing to, to actually keep getting a return. And it's defensive. So, so it's, it's, it's not going to double. But gold is also, it's a funny asset. It goes up when it's going up and it goes down when it's going down. It's the ultimate kind of trend follower's dream. You've just got to work out which way it's going. Do you think it adds to the risk? No, it, it reduced the risk. Because it wasn't going to act, it, the correlation with shares was going to be, be quite low. There may be even a negative correlation. Your managed plus fund is uh, one of your other funds I'm looking at currently. And you also hold a, a lot of gold in there. But it's also quite evident that you own a lot of cash in there. 51% of your portfolio is allocated to the money market, another 23 to the bond market. I assume this was after you first started initiating some changes in the asset allocation. What was it in, in the past? You know, if you take middle of January, it was about 71% invested in equities, equities and commodities. So it was pretty close to the regulation 28 fully invested, which is 75%. Yeah, so it was pretty full invested. It's not like it's a fund that always is very bearish. Last year, 2019, had a very good year, which was a time to make money in certain sectors. Went into the start of the year, as I said, pretty close to fully invested. But when we saw trouble coming, it was clear that you had to, you had to get very defensive and do that quickly. And you did, because currently you are invested in equities of around 20%. You know, currently lower, it's even lower than that. You know, it's, it's, about, it's about 10, 12%. The money market investments, uh, in what did you invest? It, it, we kind of moved it. Was, I think you, you're getting a snapshot there when we're kind of transitioning out of the equities. The money markets are very low. 
It's mostly in bonds now. So we've got a lot of 30% of the fund is in R186s, a little bit of duration, which the timing of that was to wait for the actual downgrade and move that in. Might have been a little bit early, but we still think, you know, that's about a 10% guaranteed return for the next five, six years. Do you think the downgrade will benefit you? Yeah, I think it was pretty much all in the price. So if you look at our government bonds relative to, say, Brazil, we're about three, close to 300, 3% worse. In other words, the yield is higher, and that's probably excessive. You know, a real yield relative to the U.S., it's just something we track, of about 10% is probably just too wide. Another interesting perspective you have, and you wrote this in a recent opinion piece you've published, is that you say you don't think the current situation is an opportunity to buy the dip and you don't think we will see a v-shape or a u-shape recovery as we've seen in the past can you put this into context for us especially after you've moved defensive to the extent you have we think um, investors have become conditioned to to what's happened in the most recent past so if you take in at the end of 2018 there was a big dip on equities particularly international equities it was a great time to, time to buy then there was a you know if we go a little bit further back there was a dip in, in in 2015 if you can remember that where the market fell there was a great time to buy but you know this is not that those dips were just on the concern that there was going to be a recession this is actually a recession internationally so you've got to, you know it's, it's saying that the market is probably too cheap to sell but it's also not cheap enough to buy it and you've got to you've got to look at your scenarios just automatically because the market's fallen sort of 25 percent below the highs it's automatically a great time time to buy i think that's just one of the scenarios that you need to be assessing and we like to look at scenarios but there's two three other scenarios which could be very different and you need to work out which of the scenarios you know it could be something similar to the gfc in which case the market could have another 30% to go. It could be, and it's probably not that bad, but it's a scenario you need to get your mind around. Is it as bad as the Great Depression, in which case you've got another 60%? I don't think it's that bad. Let me just put out that caveat. But you need to work that out, what it looks like. It's probably the GFC, so you would, would indicate we've got, got some more downside. But you have cash in the bank. Of course, you would like to get back into equities when you think equities will outperform. What green shoots would you be looking for to trigger such a re-entry into the equity market? You know, you want to be seeing values that are outstanding, but people don't want to buy the shares because they're worried they're going to go down. You know, at the moment, the psychology of the market's a little bit, hey, shares are 25% cheaper than they were in January, must be a bargain. But I think you get to a stage where companies with solid balance sheets, have survived the, the crash and the values are enticing and you're kind of trying to work out what's what's the risk, what am I missing? There's that, you're going to get that kind of outstanding values and I don't think we're there yet. That's where we say, I don't think it's cheap enough to buy it. You'll get outstanding value. We, we've also, you know, just on it, we've seen some of the forecast economists are like a 30% decline in GDP in, in the US, for example, in, in the second quarter is one I was reading earlier. Now, just in relation, 10% GDP declined for the year. Looking at some numbers of Syria, I think the worst they got to was a 3.6 decline. A 10% decline in GDP is massive. And, and we just need to, we need to understand, get some understanding what's the economic damage from this economic worldwide shutdown before it's really investable.
especially for local stocks, because I think a lot of hardship lies ahead. I don't think our government has the ability to protect the economy from really a protracted recession. But that's maybe a discussion for another day. Another point you made in the article, which I found very, very interesting, is that many people who receive their fund statements will be very disappointed at poor performances. But many will hope that these funds bounce back. And because they've fallen so much, and you say maybe it's a better idea to switch from those funds into funds that have performed better during this downward cycle or this actual crash. Can you put that into perspective? Just clarifying, South Africa's got some fantastic asset managers who've got a good record of, of finding great investments in the carnage. So certainly you wouldn't be recommending investors sell those. Uh, There's outstanding track records over many years. And I've got really good investment teams to go and scratch through. Talking about this, finding this value I was talking about earlier. Great, solid companies. And they're there. There's some people who haven't done as well. And certainly investors should think about can they manage. You know, it's all about the risk control. What's the risk control within the organization and have that good, good risk management. But do you think you should switch at this point in time if you're not happy with the performance? So how do you evaluate your performance relative to the performance of other funds? We're kind of trying to manage. Part of what we do is we measure risk at the risk of, as, as the measurement of, of, you know, what's the odds of losing client money. We, so we don't really measure, we don't feel if we're down 10% and the opposition are down 15%, we've done a good job. So we don't really directly looking at peers, which is an important point. It's, it's in assessing it. I wouldn't, you know, we obviously, we take our clients' money very seriously and we think we do a good job. The other managers who do, do a superb job and you just got to look at track record. And now certainly wouldn't be the time to switch. Some of your managers, you've got fantastic track records, but you, you always need to be thinking about what your managers actually do and how the funds combine together. That's important because most investors, you don't have all your money with one manager. See how guys perform, see how funds perform and see what to do. Rob, thank you so much for your time and uh, let's see what happens. I think it's going to be a very interesting second quarter too. Hopefully uh, the arrows point up. (laughs) Thank you very much. That was Rob Spaniard. He's the Chief Investment Officer at Resco.